back uh, watching out for us uh, this morning. Um, but the event uh, really caused me to to feel and kind of sit with uh, the nature of what unconditional love looks like. It's certainly not easy, uh, and it involves usually um, us willingly placing ourselves in vulnerable positions. Brene Brown says it like this, I define vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. With that in mind, let's think about love. Waking up every day and loving someone who may or may not love us back, whose safety we can't ensure, who may stay in our lives or may leave without a moment's notice, who may be loyal to the day they die or betray us tomorrow. Bless you. That's vulnerability. And this week, I mean, in the mix of emotions and everything going on, uh, I'm just grateful to be a part of this community, figuring out faith and Christian community with you all. The simplicity of it, breaking bread, working for justice, having difficult conversations around what it looks like to create a better Jesus-like world. Um, Our stance that we only experience the fullness of love in God, if everyone is free to love and have human dignity, will never change. And it actually can never change if this is the very heartbeat of God moving in love through us and around us. So this morning, I want us to be curious about the vulnerability of love and its movement in our lives. Uh, Yesterday, um, we found out that uh, the beloved author and speaker, Rachel Held Evans, um, died unexpectedly. She was 37 years old. I know many people in our community have been touched by um, her her writing and, and speaking and her work. Um, if you're not familiar with Rachel, um, her work gave a voice to those in the evangelical or traditional people coming from traditional Christian communities, um, people that felt like there was something theologically amiss or ethically off. She recognized that the church had largely stopped being about good news for all people and had become an insular subculture that was propped up by its own language, wealth, and political interests. And she gave voice for hope and justice in, in Christian faith and in the church in the midst of all of this. She gave people life when many had given up on the church and felt like they had nothing left. <clears throat> she says this um, in relation to um, justice issues. She she worked for um, racial justice and anti-racism. Um, she worked for um, the justice and equality of the LGBTQ community when, um, before people started doing that um, many years ago. And she said, when I explain when our gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender friends aren't welcome at the table, then we don't feel welcome either. And that every young adult and not that, and that not every young adult gets married or has children. So we need to stop building our churches around categories and start building our church around people. 
so what does it mean to be a church? What does it mean to be a faith community? And in our gospel text today, we're, giving, we're given a, um, a very interesting scene here. Um, after the, the death and, and resurrection, first resurrection appearance of Jesus, um, in the Gospel of John, and it's kind of, it's a little long for the lectionary text, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll bear with it. 19 verses. I'll be reading this morning out of uh, the message. After this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Tiberias Sea, or the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the brothers Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. The rest of them replied, we're going to go with you. When they went out and got into the boat, they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to them, good morning, Uh, did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. He said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, and all of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the master When Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw uh, on some clothes, for he was stripped for work, and dove into the sea. The other disciples came in by boat, for they weren't far from the land, a hundred yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore, 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Now one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the master. Jesus then took the the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since he was raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. And Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he had asked for a third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself, and you went wherever you wish. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he commanded, follow me. The word of the Lord. Such an interesting story. Uh, in even just reading it, uh, one of the phrases that just sticks out to me is, is Jesus on the beach saying, uh, breakfast is ready. I like that. Um, it's fascinating because it shows the disciples um, after uh, the death of their teacher, their friend, uh, their master, uh, that they've returned 
to a new normal, right? They've gone back to, to they've gone back to fishing, um, and I think um, for for any of us who have experienced the of the loss or the death of uh, a loved one close to us, um, that that sense of trying to find a a new normal um, is incredibly difficult, right? You, they hear they they just they go back to um, they just go back to fishing, right? <clears throat> Trying to get back to work, to gather with f- friends, and find you know some meaning in life uh, in in the wreckage of of tragedy. And it's interesting, you know, that Jesus uh, he he meets them where he met many of them before, you know, out there doing their work, out there fishing, meeting them along the way. And then it's interesting, you know, he, you know, says breakfast is ready, and they share, they share a meal together on the beach. Um, and then he, he has this exchange with, with Peter and says, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, follow me, follow me. It's a kind of a, like, profound statement considering um, he's dead. Right, like uh, follow me. It doesn't really. It's kind of confusing considering Jesus is, um, you know, has died at this point, right? Um, but Jesus connects this "follow me" commandment to the acts of ongoing love from the disciples and into the world. Right? They're trying to discover what life is after the tragedy and the loss of their friend. And Jesus tells them to to keep going, to to follow me, even in the midst of the loss and the absence. Uh, the absence, follow me, keep keep going. Um, Jesus connects this commandment um, that life moves forward um, beyond death in in love. And I think if we're all honest. Uh, some level, love is the reason why we're here this morning. Love has moved us at some level, transformed us, given us hope, shown us beauty, lifted our spirits, connected us to our brokenness, delivered us into the arms of the poor, sat with us in hospital rooms with the sick. And that is why uh, we find the, these, this story, this Jesus narrative, uh, the, the Christian tradition that compels us into love. Um, that's why we find it, it powerful and, and meaningful. And I would imagine that's on some level why we're here this morning. Uh, Ram Dass talks about the importance of love like this. He says the most vital aspect of love is not in giving or receiving, it's in the being. When I need love from others or I need to give love to others, I'm caught in an unstable situation. Being in love rather than giving or taking love is the only thing that provides stability. Being in love means seeing the beloved all around me. Uh, Our protested sign outside, which We've many times got voicemails that are funny and uh, bad Yelp reviews, which I personally really love. Um, simply says, 
Love is love. This is the Jesus message. Uh, This is, I think, the pulsing of this story that in tragedy, in brokenness, in um, the midst of, of death, and when you're out there fishing and there's no, there's, there's no fish, uh, that Jesus says, keep going. Love is love. Follow me. And I think Re- Rachel Held Evans was right in, in her work that this Christian message of love is love is love has been distorted. It's been, it's been twisted and, and warped. Um, to mean a lot of other things, right? But 1 Corinthians 13 says it like this. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even if I go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I do not love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for the self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have, love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep scores of the sins of others. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Though love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love keeps going. It keeps moving forward. This is the Christian message, that love is unconditional and it is relentless. One of my favorite books, The Prophet. Has anybody read The Prophet? A few people? Love it. It says this, When love beckons you, follow him. Though his ways are hard and steep, and when his wings enfold you, yield to him. Though the, swor- the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him. Though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind, lay- as the north wind lays waste to the garden. But if in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you to cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor. Into the seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all of your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires, to melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night, to know the pain of too much tenderness, to be wounded by your own understanding of love, and to bleed willingly and joyfully. This is the vulnerability of God's unconditional love for the world. And I imagine that the disciples on the beach with Jesus are wrestling with the mystery of all of this. They're wrestling with the option to stay guarded, right? I mean, the Roman Empire has just crucified their friend and teacher in Christ. How are they to move forward? You could see the temptation or imagine the temptation to to stay guarded, to stay, to hide. That they could be fearful that they might be next, that they would be found out that they were a friend of this teacher and master. And yet Jesus, this mysterious person, meets them on the beach 
and says, follow me, keep going. Love pushes forward, even in the midst of uncertainty and death. May we be brave enough to be wounded by our own understanding of love, to bleed willingly and joyfully. And I think this is why love inspires great music. Love fights for justice. Love plants flowers. Love shares breakfast on the beach. In the face of hate speech, cultural divisions, and death, we will continue to love. We will break bread, we will laugh, and we will enjoy every day. Life is a beautiful blink, a painful miracle in which we are given this day, this moment, this breath. Whatever comes in the future, may we remember this story of Jesus on the beach, life after death, sitting patiently and attentively, calling the disciples and beckoning us into a life that moves forward with relentless love. Um, so many of you know that uh, I am from Texas and uh, was born and raised in Waco. That's what I thought. <sighs> All right. That's, can't hurt me for trying. And when I was, uh, when I was 17 um, and uh, new into Christianity and, and um, the ideas kind of circulating in, in the emergent church with uh, people like Anne Lamott and Donald Miller and, and Rob Bell and very influential to me uh, at, at that age, for sure. And I was a part of this community of um, mostly college-age students in, in Waco. And uh, there was a, a young pastor there, early 30s, had a few young kids, and uh, was a pastor of this, this uh, college church in Waco. And um, he, was, he was giving a, a, a baptism one Sunday morning and uh, had a foot in the water and touched the microphone stand and uh, was electrocuted in the, in the service and, and passed away. And um, I was at that church for the next uh, four years, just in the aftermath of that, that tragedy. And um, in, in the wake of uh, what, does, what does faith look like, what does love look like in, in the midst of a senseless tragedy and, and loss. And those, those five years were incredibly formative for how I um, experience and understand the, the Christian life and um, what I understand about Christian community. And uh, that Sunday that, that Kyle passed away, um, he, uh, he didn't get to, to preach a sermon, but they have, uh, they have his notes from, from that sermon. And uh, many of you know that we say at the end of every service in our benediction, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. 
And that's something Kyle would say at the end of every service. So um, I've always felt like that's a very grounding um, framework for how we understand the Christian life. You know, Kelly preached last week, and she didn't cry at all. And I've been trying to fight it all week, so just bear with me. I'm almost done. Bless you. Um, and so the, the notes that were a part of Kyle's sermon that he didn't get to preach— uh, end like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close by reading the, uh, the final piece of the sermon that he, uh, he didn't get to read. If I can make it through. I've read it a couple of times and I, it still gets, um, it's still emotional for me. So, um, so yeah, so these are the, these are the final words of, um, Kyle Lake, um, passed away in, um, October, 2005. He says, abandon your plans of escape and be where you are. Plant gardens and live and live well. I don't know what your planting gardens look like, but let me end by providing a glimpse of what they might look like. Live and live well. Breathe, breathe in deeply. Be present. Do not be past. Do not be future. Be now. On a crystal clear, breezy, 75-degree day, roll down the windows. Feel the wind against your skin. Feel the warmth of the sun. If you run, then allow those first few breaths on a cool autumn day to freeze your lungs. Do not be just alarmed Be alive. Get knee-deep in a novel and lose track of time. If you bike, pedal hard. And if you crash, crash well. Feel the satisfaction of a job well done, a paper well written, a project thoroughly completed, a play well performed. If you must wipe snot from your three-year-old's nose, don't be disgusted if the Kleenex didn't catch it all because soon he'll be wiping his own. If you've recently experienced loss, then grieve. Grieve well. And at the table with family and friends, laugh. If you're eating and laughing at the same time, then you might as well laugh until you puke. If you eat, then smell. The aromas are not impediments to your day. Steak on the grill, coffee beans freshly ground, cookies in the oven. Taste. Taste every ounce of flavor. Taste every ounce of friendship. Taste every ounce of life. Because life is most definitely a gift. Amen.